0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Low Blow Booking Podcast. My name is Derek Cornett, and we're coming at you live and in living color on your mobile listening devices. Ladies and gentlemen, we have got a very exciting show lined up for you tonight. I am joined by none other than my partner in crime, Dave Hall. Welcome in, Dave. How are you doing today?
1: Mate, I am doing really, really well today. I've had a great morning uh, down here in Australia. I watched, uh, my, watched my two sons play uh, some rugby union, and... Uh, Both of them had really good days. One of them scored three tries. That's like a touchdown in an NFL game. And right now I'm looking at a beautiful picturesque ocean uh, crashing into the waves, crashing into rocks. Really lovely day down here in Australia.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, it is a Friday night here in Iowa, and... uh we're kind of prepping ourselves. It's golf season, so we're getting near the end. So I'm looking forward to uh, the end of the school year and just how everything's going to finish up. So uh, it's always an exciting time of year as uh, we start to head towards our summer. Now, uh, again, for our viewers, what is the season that you're currently in?
1: So we're in uh, we're in autumn. We're We're in your fall. So we're we're building up to winter.
0: Awesome. We're starting
1: to get cold down
0: here. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it's awesome to think about that, you know. And and I'm very thankful that you and I get the opportunity to talk tonight. Um, you and I, we we discussed this before we got on the show, but you and I are kind of. Uh, Kind of giving this a little practice go around because this is the prelude for something that we're going to be doing down the line. Um, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, as you heard on our last podcast, we're going to be talking about the WWF World Heavyweight Championship reign of the one, the only, the Ultimate Warrior. Now, Dave, I don't know about you, but when it came down to um, the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan, I was always a Hulk Hogan guy. Uh, no matter what, no matter where, no matter when, no matter how, I was always bleeding red and yellow. Now, how was it for you?
1: Uh, I think between the two of them, I was probably more a Hulk Hogan guy as well. I um, I must admit, I really liked Warrior's run with uh, Rick Rude the previous year, and that made me see Warrior in a different way, but... When those two met at WrestleMania six, when I sat down and watched the VHS down here in Australia, because this one wasn't on TV, when I sat down and watched the VHS without knowing the results, I was gunning for Hogan to win. I really, I really was surprised when Warrior. I mean, I was what I was. You know, I was still quite young, so I was surprised when Warrior won. But you know, looking back now, I'm not so surprised.
0: I have to tell you that one of my earliest wrestling memories. Had to do with the Ultimate Warrior and having to do with being absolutely terrified of Andre the Giant. Now, I believe this is on the SummerSlam 1989 buildup. You see it, but um, it's a jobber squash with the Ultimate Warrior, and he's got this guy on his back, and he's walking to the back, and Bobby Heenan is there, and Bobby Heenan like goats him into turning his back. And then Andre the Giant comes out of the back, like out of the darkness, and starts choking the warrior. It it, it is a it's an image that just stuck in my mind. It was so terrifying to see um, this big man doing this, and I remember that as a young kid and always being just terrified of Andre because of that. And um, I think that what you touched on was great. Maybe I was a bigger Hogan fan overall. But when it came down to the story, I think Warrior always had a better storyline going long-term than what Hogan did, simply because he was always tied to that World Heavyweight Championship.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and that's, you know, that, that's, that's, I guess, the, the difference between the two. Where, where they were tied and how they were presented is uh, always the argument that people have got, to, have got to work through.
0: Yeah, I guess when I think of the Ultimate Warrior, I think of a guy who when it really came down to it he had a 3 year run you know you go 88 89 and 90 and then once 90 ended and we talk about that today in 91 to me that's kind of where he he just fell off the face of the earth because it, it it's amazing that his run lasted that little of time but his his legend you know, lasted so much longer, and um, I look at what he did in that time period, and I got to give him a lot of respect for it, you know, but um, maybe business wasn't done always the best, and the matches weren't always the best, but it was very entertaining, Um, and so when what's
1: what's interesting about that run, too, I've just been, um, I've been working through recently, over the last few months, I've been watching sort of 86, 87, 88 um, superstars of wrestling, I've been sort of doing old school superstars, and and even early '88, Warrior was still just presented as another guy. It wasn't until just before SummerSlam that they really started pushing him on TV as a potential threat for Honky. Yeah. And so you're really looking at it, it's half of '88, '89, '90, and then he disappears. And when he came back in in '92, he just it wasn't the same.
0: And I don't think he ever regained whatever. Um momentum he had I don't think he was a start-stop kind of guy you know he always came back with some flash but when it came down to it he wasn't the same so um an interesting an interesting character and I think that's that's the reason why you and I are talking about him tonight um of course we can talk about the tragic end of his life and and I'll go on record when I watch the Hall of Fame speech I could just tell I mean and yeah it's hindsight but I look at him I say man this guy doesn't look very good (laughs) you know, I just looked at it, the color of his face, and maybe it was all the adrenaline and everything going on with him at that point in time. But, you know, it was was very awesome, in my opinion, to watch that whole uh, interview that he said. And and I thought he did a great job. And it was very touching to see him kind of put closure on everything. And then the next night, that promo, obviously, very ominous, where it led to his, you know, uh, his tragic death the next day. It was very interesting to watch that whole 48 hours and when you go back and you look the network has got the uh, the whole documentary on the final moments of his life it was it was very incredible to see and it's interesting to see what he would be doing now especially when you have a guy like Randy Savage that would just put in the in the Hall of Fame you know what would be his take on Randy Savage and just all that stuff put together um, you know very untimely and you know very upsetting to see uh, that come to an end.
1: Yeah, it was it was sad. I mean, down here we don't we don't have the network down here in Australia unless you you have to use a pirate you know, IP address and and try and make out that we're from America. So we can't. I don't have access to the network, and we didn't get the um, I didn't get to see the Hall of Fame until the um, DVD came out. So I had already knew what had happened before I saw the speeches and and saw that. And so it was, um, it, it, it's very sad to look back, but I think it's also, um, I, I think it was great that the, that the WWE had the opportunity to honor him before before it happened. Um, I, I know there's been a lot of stuff with, with Savage over the years of, you know, is it, is it, Playing off, you know, it doesn't come across in the wrong way. They are playing off the legend of you know, is it insincere? Is it inconsiderate? Whatever. Um, I think the opportunity, the fact that the warrior was able to speak at a WWE event, that he was able to address the fans. I actually think that what happened at those two events, the Hall of Fame and and the um, the night after Raw, after WrestleMania Raw, really allowed the WWE to paint the Warrior back into the image of a true legend. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think they've had the opportunity to do with Savage. And while I, I know Savage is a legend, and I don't think the WWE have ever been able to really repaint their image of Savage publicly until recently. And even then, it doesn't seem the same. But with Warrior, they at least got the chance to do that. And Warrior came across as... A a, 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 a good guy, a good legend bloke, and I think it helped alleviate a lot of the damage that had been done over the years.
0: Yeah, and I just look at you know the list of men right now that are on that, uh, you know, that died early. That the WWE is going to try and make a little bit of money on and recreate their characters as they, as they, you know, really start to you know really fade into the past, and with the with the you know, help of the WWE Network going back and being able to see some of these guys, I'm interested to see how it all plays out. You know, the guys I look at are a guy like Rick Rude, a guy like Davey Boy Smith, um, even a guy, you know, like Owen Hart right now, that there's a lot of controversy around what, you know, what are they going to do? Are they really going to make a DVD about him? And, um, you know, it, it's it's interesting to see what this... Um, you know, company is going to do with some of these guys, and I think Warrior is is a good case of you know their opportunity to um, recreate this image of this man, and like you said, make him a true legend uh, in the eyes of the WWE fans, and um, show them you know who this guy was all about. So um, you know, kudos for that, and uh, you know, again, that's the reason why you and I are here tonight talking about uh, this guy and and how we would like to see his tenure in the WWE just be a little bit better.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think I think, you know, that's that's the that's the the sad thing uh when you look back at Warrior's title reign is that it it for for the for the character that he had, for the image that has been presented and for you know, for the legacy that's been left, unfortunately that world title reign of his just it doesn't It doesn't marry up. It's not not what you want. It's not what you'd hope that would have happened for him, and unfortunately, it's what he got. So it's good to be able to look back and go, how could it have been better booked? How could it have been a better run for a man who probably deserved a little bit better that year?
0: Absolutely. So let's take a look at, at what this title run was. Of course, the monumental moment was when he did win the World Heavyweight Championship from Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 6 in Skydome. Um, a very, a very good match, one that has definitely stood the test of time, and one that people often, you know, look back as one of the great all time matches in the WWF, especially as a WrestleMania main event and a world title match. So, you gotta give him props for that. Um, and then from there, all that build, uh, it kinda, you know, uh, fizzled, uh, for all intents and purposes. Um, we, we go in from there and the first thing that they do is they set him back up with a guy who they know is going to be able to get some heat, a guy that they know he's going to be able to work well with. And that's ravishing Rick Rude. Um, throughout the summer of 1990, uh, I looked, you know, thanks to Graham Cawthon and, uh, the history of com, looking back at, at this, um, at this year, it's it's Warrior and, and Rude really doing a lot of the house show, house show circuit. Um, and then I see a couple of instances in which uh, Rude, you know, suffers a torn muscle in his tricep, and we get uh, Haku and Bobby Heenan coming in and, you know, kind of just doing the filler spot. And that really led to their big matchup at the, um, at the SummerSlam. Now, if we go back and we look at this uh, build, we, it starts here, um, I know that they have a match at a Saturday Night's Main Event, um, and that is on the uh, July 16th tape, uh, July 28th, um, you know, live viewing. And, uh, you know, you go back to the April 28th edition of, of Saturday Night's Main Event, and it's Warrior versus Haku, and I guess one of the troubling things that I see right off the bat is we went... From Warrior having this monumental build, you know, having his issues with the earthquake and Dino Bravo, and, you know, all along, though, the way that they were using him was as a funnel with the Heenan family because you go back to WrestleMania 5 it was Rick Rude who took the title from him and then Warrior wins it back at SummerSlam 89 but he's always feuding with the Heenan family and at that point it was Andre of course we have the Survivor Series match and then he gets into his little issue with Mr. Perfect and the Genius and Hogan and then we get the summer or the WrestleMania build and then he goes right back to the Heenan family with Rude and then with Haku and that of course leads to the uh, the cage match at uh, SummerSlam. So what are your initial thoughts of that that first couple months of his run?
1: I I think the first couple of months of his run were hampered by... I, I just don't feel he ever got any momentum coming out of mania. I think it was hampered by two things. Number one... I think one of the issues, and this, you know, Hogan talks about this in his WWF book or WWE book, talks about the fact that Hogan attempted to steal the spotlight back at the end of the match. You know, he he hands the title over, raises his hand, and you know he's he's riding off in the sunset like the champion passing the torch, but he didn't really pass the torch. And I, I felt that Hogan's presence was still around in such a big way that it it did hamper that first couple of months and. And that's an issue. And then on top of that, I don't feel they had really built anyone up to be a viable challenger in those first few months. Like, Hogan and, and Warrior had both pretty well beaten nearly every heel in the business at that point. So after they have their great match and everyone's going, oh, man, he's beaten Hogan, how great is he? You look around and you go, well, who's he got to face? They had the WWE for some reason... Had killed all their heels, and and, um, and that I think was the biggest thing because Warrior didn't have a genuine guy who's sitting there going, "I'm the man, I'm ready to take you down," and it, it just felt that the shadow of Hogan and the lack of a threat really made those first few months up to SummerSlam, and then post SummerSlam was even worse. Yeah, but really, just that's that's one of the that's what I really find a struggle with. The, the start of Warriors
0: Ryan. I, I hear people I, say that, and I guess I have I guess always been on the on the defensive of that. I think that they had the heels to do it, but they only had mid-card and upper mid-card heels. They didn't have main event heels. So on some sense, I see the, um, the fact that you're, you're right, but I also see the fact that you may be wrong because I look at the list of people... And I and look at Ted DiBiase, Ted DiBiase. Rick Rude, Mister Perfect, earthquake, earthquake, and I see and some challengers challenge. there, I guess. And yes. I don't know,
1: I don't know. But they hadn't, they hadn't
0: built those guys up.
1: I mean, Rude, following, you know, he had, a, he had, he had his run with Warrior in '89. Then he had a series of matches with Piper that, you know, you don't really see much of uh, unless you, you know in the house because it was house show run predominantly. But at Mania, he's in this nothing match against Jimmy Snooker. He doesn't really do anything at the rumble. DBRC had been de pushed in the pre you know, in the months following, you know, in, in eighty nine. He'd been deep pushed. So the talents there, the abilities there, the guys could be threats, but they weren't being presented on the big stage as genuine threats. They were being presented as I mean it, it, we, we you hear him talk about it in the modern day when when a guy starts to lose too many matches, yep, you start to wonder if he's a genuine threat. And I think that had started that had happened to, to DBRC that was starting to happen to the other guys, and they had other plans for Earthquake, and they wanted they wanted to put him with Hogan. And and there's
0: there's the other problem. There's there's the shadow of Hogan around again. I think that a part of that is, is true, and like you said, they're viable threats, but are they contenders? And there's a difference. Um. And, you know, so we look at this first part of the run, and it builds to a very good cage match. And, by the way, I'm going to put this out there. Um, if you guys have not seen the Rick Rude versus Roddy Piper cage match from December of 1989 at Madison Square Garden, you need to go out and see this thing. It's on YouTube. Go find it. It is, in my opinion, one of the greatest cage matches of of that era. Um there's blood, there's some drama, it, it's so damn good. And not to mention Rick Rude jumping off the top of the cage, just giving up all sense of will and, and care for his life. It, it's incredible, it's a great match. Have you ever seen it?
1: No, I don't think I've seen that one. Um, there's a, I know there's a Rude Piper match on on, um, on a comp DVD. I'm not sure which one it is offhand. Um, but I don't think it's their cage match, so. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that yeah,
0: one. Yeah, I, I may look it up and send you the link. I mean, it is so damn good. Um, one of my favorite matches, it was on the Superstars uh, VHS from back in the day. I remember watching it so many times. It's just a great, great match, and, um, I think it builds up to, um, you know, where we're at. Rick Root is a. He is a legit tough guy, and then on top of it, um, he just didn't if he would have had a higher profile match at mania then absolutely he's a he's a legit contender because of his history with the warrior but they end up having a cage match and and you know when it all is said and done uh warrior walks out as the champion and then we get into um the post from there and um in August we start to see a couple of matches with uh, the Ultimate Warrior and Kerry Bon Eric versus Rick Rude and Mr. Perfect. I would love to see one of those matches. Um, I may have to look those up and see um, what we've got with those. And then we actually see him and Randy Savage uh, get a couple of matches together. Um, nothing major, no mainstream stuff. Um, and as we continue to move through the Saturday Night's Main Event circuit, um, he, he starts to get into this feud with um, what ends up being kind of, uh, you know, dead weight when he comes to with the legion of doom and they face demolition of ax smash and crush um i think that's what really cements uh the lack of world title run for him and like you and i talked about it really makes him look like a mid carter and it just doesn't work you know you can't have your world champion in six-man tag team matches um it, it doesn't work that way
1: yeah not not in the wwe that's that's the problem um Oh, that period, that to me is the biggest indicator of, of what WWE thought of Warriors champion. Putting him in a six man feud. Now, if this was the NWA, WCW, and this was the Road Warriors, 88, 89, 90, and you put Warrior in, Ultimate Warrior in a six man match with them, you would be looking at that going, this is a main event situation. But in the WWE, tag teams are not main eventers. No. And, it, and, and the LOD were not presented as a main event. That. They, were, they were a dominant tag team. They were put right at the top of the tag team situation. But in the WWE, they were not main eventers. And they were up against demolition that had been watered down. And it just made Warrior look like a chump. Really, really just looked like he really you know, should have been Competing for a tag title—that's yeah. what it seemed like—and um, that's not what you want your champion to be doing.
0: Well, it's not the demolition or not the four horsemen. <laughs> I mean, that's no. really what it comes down to. They—they're not, and they were trying to present this idea uh, that this feud was so big, but it really wasn't. And of course, we go into Saturn, or, uh, Survivor Series, and um, you know what happened at that event um, with Warrior—you know, winning the match, defeating Perfect. And um, demolition to go on to the grand finale match of survival, and you know teaming up with Hogan and Tito uh, and getting a, w- a win there, and then of course yeah,
1: in fact, in fact, that's pro- <coughs> probably the only time that Warrior was allowed to get a little bit of a, a rub over the top of Hogan because Warrior got the final pin in that match. Now Hogan counted along with the referee and stole the spotlight again, but at least Warrior was sort of allowed to get the final pin in an, in a major event while Hogan was there next to him. So, you know, at least there he got a tiny little bit of a rub, but I think by then it was too late.
0: And, you know, he goes on, and if you watch the 1990 Survivor Series, they go on to push the big main event match with Warrior and and DiBiase, and, um, you know, and that kind of finishes it off, but then, you know, Randy Savage, uh, comes in and he becomes a challenger for warrior through, uh, the end of November and December. And that leads of course, into the big match in January in which the warrior ends up losing the world title to the Sergeant Slaughter, um, you know, as they start to build towards WrestleMania seven. And, um, I think if you were to give warriors world title run a grade, Dave, what would you give it?
1: um, I would give it a C at best. Um, I'd 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 almost be, almost be inclined to possibly even go a D. Look, um, I I think you know he he had guys that tried to work hard. He did the best with what he was given, but he just wasn't given the best opportunity to really look like a champion. And um and so it's hard to it's hard to grade it. I think. I think C is the best. He he did have a decent match on pay per view with um with Rick Rude. Uh, he did have some good Saturday night main event matches with with as you said Rude and DBRC. and and then and then he had um you know he had that 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 moment at Survivor Series where he, where he was allowed to stand out.
0: But overall, I, I think with what he was given, it, it, it's, it's very hard to rate it any higher than that. All right, well. Now is the time in which we get to uh, take a different look at it and say, what could we do to make the Ultimate Warrior's world title run in 1990 a little bit better? Um, and we're going we're gonna to backtrack just a little bit, and we're going to talk about Mr. Perfect, um, because he is a catalyst for the push of the Ultimate Warrior in, in a strange way. Um, Dave, you and I both talked about the fact that Mr. Perfect was indeed perfect and in order for him to be a perfect challenger, if you will, he needs to be absolutely perfect in the ring. And so we go back and we start to look at what does his record look like in the beginning of the year, and I think it really starts at um, WrestleMania. There's no way in hell that Brutus Beefcake beats him. Um that, that's no, where no, this starts. No, absolutely, absolutely. no. I actually
1: think it needs to step out a little bit earlier than that, but um, we'll, we'll get to that in just a second.
0: Yeah, I, I think that at this point we say Mr. Perfect defeats Brutus Beefcake, and we start to build towards this culmination of uh, Mr. Perfect joining the Heenan family. Um, and we, we can do that in uh, April, May, June-ish. Um, I believe that's around when it happened. And um, at this point, we're still continuing to push Mister Perfect as as the guy that sh- that is a rightful contender to the world championship. However, we're keeping him away from the world championship. Um, we're continuing to build him up and make him look just absolutely uh, unstoppable, and you know, putting him through that list of contenders—guys like you know, even the Big Boss Man, guys like uh, Jim Duggan, guys like Tugboat, and you know, building him up, uh, Jake the Snake. Uh, Tito Santana, so that we can build to our first big matchup. And when I say big, I mean monumental. Um, we're looking at that match uh, coming up here in just a little bit. But let's start. Dave, do you want to add anything more to Mr. Perfect there? Yeah, I was just saying, I just think, um, I, I don't know if you wanted to touch it this way, but we, we talked before
1: when we were preparing. One of the things I would look at doing with Perfect is just, done just before um, – WrestleMania, there was there was a Saturday night main event tag team match, or the main event tag team match, and it was Hogan and Warrior versus uh, Perfect and the Genius. And it was following on from the events of what happened at the Rumble and what happened at the Saturday night's main event before the Rumble. And it was the build-up for Hogan Warrior. And Hogan Warrior had a had a bit of a sort of they didn't agree during the match, but in the end they ended up getting a win over. The Genius the Genius took the pin for but I would actually throw out I was suggesting beforehand a way to to possibly keep perfect looking really strong and prepare for later on would be in that match. The Warrior and Hogan have their point of difference in the middle of their argument perfect rolls Warrior up and 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 steals a win and then but Warrior is blaming Hogan for the situation so it continues to build into their world title lead up. Warrior can sustain that loss because He's going to beat Hogan in the end. And it was, it doesn't really come over as you know, anything but a, a sort of a, a bit of an upset, but it plants the seed for later on that perfect can call back to, I've beaten you, warrior. I'm perfect. I'm undefeated. And I even know how to beat you. And I think that foundation before Mania and then a, a, a guaranteed perfect victory with the perfect plex over Brutus Beefcake at WrestleMania are the two stepping stones that are needed to help Perfect look like a legitimate
0: threat to that title. I I completely agree. Um, And the the funny thing is is that we're going to be talking about the world title, but we can't talk about the world title without talking about the Intercontinental Championship as well. Now, at WrestleMania, Warrior wins the world title, and he vacates the Intercontinental Championship. So this all builds to our first big event, after this, and that is the April 28th, 1990 Saturday Night's Main Event 26 in Austin, Texas at the Frank Erwin Center. This is um, our catalyst to create what is going to happen in 1990. Now, this show is going to be remembered as one of the greatest Saturday Night's Main Events of all time because of what we're going to do here. Now, <coughs> on this show, we're actually going to fast forward that um intercontinental title tournament which on paper looked great but then when they came to it and they had uh i think a double count out and a double dq and then they went right to the finals um we're gonna i don't want to go through and rebook that entire thing but i want to let you know that mr perfect is not involved in that tournament instead on this show on april 28th we have a tournament final of a match that should have happened at WrestleMania, but didn't, and that, that is a tournament final between Tito Santana and Rick the Model Martel for the Intercontinental Championship. Also on this show, we're going to have the Hart Foundation taking on the Rockers. Also on this show, we're going to have the Ultimate Warrior with his first title defense, his first big one, against a member of the Heenan family in Haku. We're going to have the Big Boss Man versus Akeem. And then we're going to be setting the stage for some other stuff because on this show we're going to have Hulk Hogan facing off against Dino Bravo. Now let's run through this this show really quick, Dave. I think you and I both kind of you know were wondering where do we start things off. I think that we can start it off with that um, Tito versus uh, uh, Rick Martel match, and on that show we're actually giving Rick Martel the Intercontinental Championship.
1: Yeah, I think that match. Would, um, I think that match would be great. Everyone wanted to see it. No one ever saw that blow off. And I think putting because we want to keep Perfect out of the IC title picture for a while because of the build that we need for him to have. I think Martella would have made a really nice Intercontinental Champion for a while. I think I think a victory over Tito, the arrogance around him, it would have been a little fun, little little title reign for Martell. A bit of a thank you for. Uh, for what he'd done over the past couple of years, and 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 you know, the the efforts that he had, he's often one of the better guys on the card, having a lot of the better matches. So I think that would have been a really good way to open the night. Well, I
0: think on top of it, Rick Martel had just been repackaged into a really good character, and he was he was primed for a title, and he was primed for the IC title. I think he would have done great with it. Um, it it would have been perfect for him, and uh, you know, pun intended. Um, so Rick Martel defeats Tito Santana, our second match of the night. Um, we see the heart foundation and the rockers go to that double disqualification, a very good match. Um, I really enjoyed watching that one. Um, and then we go to, uh, the match that we talked about with Hulk Hogan. Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to go back. We're actually going to do this, this match second. It's going to be Hulk Hogan versus Dino Bravo. Now, if you remember the big stretcher job that sent Hulk Hogan packing for the summer, we're actually going to do it on this show. Hulk Hogan is going to defeat Dino Bravo, and then it's going to lead to the earthquake um, coming in and, and tearing Hogan apart. And you and I talked about the fact that Jesse Ventura is going to be on this show, and he's going to be building that Hulk Hogan is not going to be able to ever wrestle again because of what happened uh, you know, at the hands of the earthquake. Um, and, and I, I think that's a that's a a whole show long storyline that Jesse Ventura and Vince McMahon could build up in a big way,
1: and and it would just it would just I, I can just you can just hear it if 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 you like me and you love Jesse you know Jesse hates Hogan and you know that if that sort of thing happened he would be playing it. And milking it and baiting McMahon and talking about, probably even talking about how he wouldn't have even been in that situation, how Jesse probably would have, would have, you know, done this and that to, to stay on top and, and it would just make for great listening. But it also, it allows us to get Hogan out of the way.
0: Yep. And, so, and yeah. he's out of the picture then.
1: Yeah. He, he's not, he's not putting a shadow over other people and he's not, Impacting the draw that other people can be because it means that Perfect doesn't have to lose to him on TV either. It means that Warrior can have a potential. It opens up a couple of things because not that we've necessarily gone this way, but you could even have a bit of a house show run. Warrior and Quake, you know, yep. they, they'd had their, their previous run ins the previous year when Quake debuted and that had never been resolved and it opens up the door to keep Quake looking strong, keep Warrior on the house shows, playing around with some other people and, and you know having a few title matches here and there, maybe a Madison Square Garden title match that would have you know probably drawn, drawn a decent house. It would have you know allowed for a few variations of things and Hogan's out of the way for a little while.
0: And again, like we talked about, this is a a show long storyline. It, it gets a lot of press, a lot of push. Um, we go from that match to the double DQ. And then after that, we get the big boss man defeating Akeem, putting a, the end on that feud. And then, of course, our big main event is um, Warrior versus Haku, and uh, Warrior getting the big victory there. Um, ending- yeah, I think
1: it's, it's important to note that often those first those first Saturday night main events after a you normally had a title match against a throwaway opponent that you know the champion's going to win, but it just allows them to get that solid First title defense on television out of the way, and I think Haku would make a good challenger for for Warrior. I mean, they had a really good chemistry in that the match the year before, so I think that would be a really good thing. And I'm actually just picturing just before that main event, you've got an interview with Perfect, who's not on, the, who's not wrestling on the show, but he's talking about how he's still undefeated and how he should be. I beat, I beat Warrior earlier. I won a title match. I deserve a title match because I'm the, going to be the perfect champion. You're going to, to start planting that seed of perfect, wanting the shot at the Warrior.
0: And, and I think that Bobby Heenan even says, you know, Haku has got a chance tonight to show all of Warrior's weaknesses, and he's going to have a chance to capitalize on it. And if he doesn't, we've always got another family member that will. Um, and even I'll go back on my word. What did I say earlier? I didn't like the fact that they went to the Heenan family. Well, guess what we're going to do? We're going to go to the Heenan family, and we're going to do it in a different way. We're going to do it in a way in which um Warrior is is fighting for his life against the Heenan family because they are doing everything they can to take the title from him. Um, at this point, the Heenan family involves Rick Rude, Haku, the Barbarian, and Mr. Perfect.
1: Yeah, I think this is – got to remember in um – um It was around this time, it was the IC title tournament where Perfect introduced his new perfect manager. I could see something happening at the end of this match with Haku. Warrior gets the win, but maybe the Heenan family jump him after the match. Maybe put a little bit of a beating on and Perfect joins in. Perfect Mm -hmm. turns up and this is Heenan's way of saying he's our new perfect manager family member.
0: And and Dave, I love that idea, but I'm going to I'm going to hold on to it because we've already had that with Hogan getting beat down and we're going to we're going to insert it in just in another spot in just a little bit, okay? It's a, it's an awesome idea and it's a way to do that, but with with what we've had so far, we want to show that Warrior is now our dominant presence in the WWF. You understand what I mean by that?
1: Yeah, no, that, 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 I, I agree with that. I, I, I just thinking back. Yeah, we've got the beat down before. So exactly, you want worry to look strong, but I think maybe even maybe even Heenan could allude to it in a, in an interview. Maybe don't he doesn't come out in this event, but maybe Heenan talks about there's another if if Harku can't there's an can't there's another we've got other family members who will. In fact, I've even got perfect family members yep. who know the perfect strategy to beat him. You don't have. You, you, Perfect doesn't come out with Heenan yet, but it plants that seed. Hang on a sec. Yep. is perfect, about to join the family.
0: Well, I think the, the thing is that you can do that at the end of the night still, but you do it in the promos because it, Saturday night's main event was classic for ending a show with promos and talking. And so when we do the Vince McMahon update of Hulk Hogan, then we cut it to the back where Heenan is is almost like reveling in the loss but he's putting over the fact that Haku showed us the weaknesses that's going to allow us to build to a perfect champion. And that's, yeah. that's where you finish it off uh, You know, for a perfect family member. And now um, we've got some house shows where we can build um, to our next big Saturday Night's Main event, and that's on July 28th, uh, taped July 16th from Omaha, Nebraska. And you're putting over the fact that Heenan has introduced Mr. Perfect as his, his newest family member. You're putting over, um, you know, how dominant the family has been in recent weeks. You know, six-mans, tag-teams, singles matches. And then we lead to the fact that um, he's going to have to face um, his, his old nemesis, Ravishing Rick Rude, at this show on, uh, J- on July 28th. And, and that is Ultimate Warrior versus Ravishing Rick Rude for the World Championship. Now, we're going to actually make that match our main event match. And then we're going to do exactly what you said. I'm going to throw your idea right back into it. And at the end of the night, uh, Warrior defeats Rick Rude by disqualification because Haku comes out, Barbarian comes out, and then Mr. Perfect comes out. And it cements the fact that in less than a month, it's going to be Mr. Perfect undefeated against the World Heavyweight Champion, the Ultimate Warrior, at SummerSlam Live in Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, and I think I think in the build-up to this, you'd have on TV, you'd have your build-up starting, and I'd be really putting over Rude talking about how he was the man, the beat warrior for the IC title, and how when he lost it back, he never really got his rematch, because Piper got in the way. And really play off the past history, which they didn't really do, and it really gets that genuine idea of, Rude's a genuine threat to this title. That set night main event could be a big draw card. They could make a good rating on that because, hey, Warrior lost to Rude last year. He could lose again. That's legitimate. And I'd also have on that card, you'd have to have, at this point, you want perfect going over someone big, top-level. It needs to be a big boss man or... A, or or a Jake the Snake Roberts or someone at the upper end of, of the of the mid card for the for the for the good guys and perfect goes over absolutely clean and basically after that match he's talking about I want the title shot at SummerSlam I'm unbeaten no one can beat me I am the I'm going to be the perfect
0: champion well in what you said Big Boss Man is perfect because that's who I would put Mr. Perfect against at this show um I I would put him there because Big Boss Man is going to be another pivotal part to what goes on with the Heenan family um, as we're building up to this event and uh, this big SummerSlam that you and I are talking about making just absolutely huge. Um, So at this show, we've got Warrior. um, Well, some of the other matches on the card, Um, as we talked about, we're going to be looking at the entire card um, and the entire title picture. Um, Demolition defeat the Rockers. Um, Again, it's already being built up, the fact that they're going to have to face the Hart Foundation at uh, SummerSlam. Um, We've got the Intercontinental Champion, the the model Rick Martell. Now, at this show, Mr. Perfect actually defeated Tito Santana. I'm actually not too opposed to having Martell and Santana go at it again, but this time maybe doing it with a little stipulation, maybe a two out of three falls or something like that. Um, something kind of fun just to, you know, put those two out there to show that they're really great wrestlers. Cause when you look back at these shows, my gosh, the match times were short you know, nothing over 10 minutes really. Um, so, you know, putting some legitimacy back into that, um, intercontinental title would be a good thing. And, and you do have a plethora of other guys that you could throw in there, maybe a Hacksaw Jim Duggan, maybe even a Dusty Rhodes, um, you know, to have, uh, Ted DiBiase or somebody else get involved with it, um. And then uh you've got Texas Tornado. Oh, who's this guy? We're gonna be talking about him in a little bit. But then you have Warrior versus Rude. Um, again, a legit matchup. Rude looks like he's gonna win, Warrior is coming back, Haku Barbarian come out, and then Perfect comes out and, and Rude almost passes the torch to um, Perfect in a way, you know, saying that this is the guy that's gonna be taking the title from the ultimate uh the ultimate warrior come uh, one month from now in Philadelphia.
1: You know, you you, you made a comment before, remember you made a comment a little bit before about how, you know, demolition aren't the the four horsemen, But I know they're not the four horsemen, but you just think about that as a little stable pushed in the right way. Perfect, rude, barbarian and haku. They, if they push that in a better way and done that sort of idea where maybe Rude's the cent- uh, perfects the centerpiece and roods the, you know just the next slight level down, you've really got a stable that if used right could have been absolutely phenomenal. For a period of time, and I like that idea that Rude Rude sort of recognises. Okay, I didn't get the job done tonight, but Mister Perfect he's unbeaten. He's bringing the world title to the family. We're a family. We celebrated each other's success, and I'm going to be celebrating right by side Mister Perfect when he wins the title.
0: Yep, and 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 there we have it. We have a we have a house show circuit now where from July to August, you know we've got. Uh, Rick Root as a challenger we've got Barbarian as a challenger we've got Haku, we've got Bobby Heenan as a challenger um, all building up to the point in which the Ultimate Warrior has to face uh, Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam and uh, we go to August and we look, at the, we look at the title pictures, of course that Heart Foundation versus Demolition match is great there's no way we're changing it uh, the Heart Foundation get the tag titles But then on top of it, we've got these guys that can challenge him. We've got Barbarian and Haku. That's a great tag team. Um, The Intercontinental Championship, we actually are going to make the switch, and we're going to have Texas Tornado defeat Rick the Model Martell in a a decent match. Nothing as quick as they did with Perfect, um, but that's going to be a big one uh, for for Tornado to get the title from Martell. And then we have our big main event. So, Dave, is there any reason to add a stipulation to this, or are we just going straight up?
1: No, I think this is straight up because I think, I think if, if it was built correctly, I, I really see you talking about the fact that he's Mr. Perfect, unbeaten for two years, hasn't lost a match against the world champion. Can the world champion, you know, he's got a victory over Warrior earlier in the year. I'd be showing that on TV. I'd have Heenan for weeks on Superstars and Primetime talking about how Perfect it can't be beaten and won't be beaten, and he, they know the secrets, the family have worked out the, the Warriors' weaknesses, and Perfect is going to exploit it. I think that undefeated element, really, you don't need anything, because not only is the title on line, but Perfect's streak is on the line, so we got, you, you're looking at, not maybe not to the extent, but you're looking at that whole idea of the Undertaker streak at Mania, yeah, you build that up. Perfect. One, someone's losing here. Perfect's either losing his un- undefeated strength or Warrior's losing the title.
0: And what do we have happen? A great matchup in which uh, Warrior and Perfect put together a solid wrestling main event match. Um, now, also on this card, I want to, I before we get to the finish... Also on this card, we're going to have the Big Boss Man versus uh, Ravishing Rick Rude. We're going to set up the stage for that feud. Maybe we we pull back a little bit and we have that whole you know Big Boss Man's mama angle. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of it, but we could do it here. We could also put the uh, the big matchup with uh, Earthquake and Hogan. But then the main event. I mean, these guys wrestle and they put on a great match. You know, 15 to 20 minutes, and um, in the end. Uh, Mr. Perfect is no longer perfect. We have the Ultimate Warrior end this streak in a legit big-time main event pay-per-view heavyweight championship matchup, and uh, I, I, right there, I think we've cemented the fact that he is a viable challenge, or he's a viable champion, and he beat a viable challenger at this event.
1: And I think. The going back to where we wanted Hogan out of the picture, I think by allowing Perfect not to have his run-ins with Hogan, and I would slightly alter what happened at the Rumble, um, just on this element, not that you don't have to change winners or anything, but just on this element, I would have it be that Perfect hits the Perfect Plex, Warrior kicks out, and it's the first time it's happened. Perfect can be in shock. He's, How has someone kicked out of my, my finishing move? building up to the, to the Warriors' victory, but I think that would make the Warrior look like as strong as he would. That makes him look super in that he's kicked out of this perfect finishing move that no one's kicked out of before, and there it is. You know, perfect Perfect goes down. He's no longer undefeated, but in the process, he's made the Warrior
0: look just awesome. And I think that we make – I mean, we got to make perfect look good too. Um in this entire process, I think that he comes out of this looking strong and, um, it, it really ends up being a very good matchup and a very good ending for, um, this little, this feud that we built up with, uh, warrior and the Heenan family. Um, we come out of the survivor series. We're building now to our next big event. And that is, uh, a September 18th taped, uh, October 13th live Saturday night's main event. um, Coming out of this show, you and I both talked about the fact that the WWF initially went with the Legion of Doom Warrior six-man tags against Demolition, and and you and I are going to go a different route with that. Um, Although it it seemed halfway decent, it's not going to work out in what we're trying to do, so um, we have Warrior going up against Perfect on the House shows, um, and he can even team with some guys. But when it comes down to the Saturday Night's Main event taping, we're actually going to have Warrior teaming up with uh, an old nemesis, uh, enemy, friend, ally, whatever you want to call it. But him and Hulk Hogan are going to team up to take on uh, Earthquake and Tugboat. Or Earthquake and um, Dino Bravo. And, uh, you know, just another good matchup for him. I don't think at this point... We're, we're really putting together a big challenger because uh, you and I talked about it. Hogan wins by DQ at SummerSlam. So, Earthquake is still a viable challenger for the title. And that kind of builds us into our second round of house shows coming out of this one where we could have Earthquake and, and Warrior in some matches. We could have Warrior and Dino Bravo in some matches. And uh, really, putting over uh, you know his strength again as we lead back into the Survivor Series, um, and we can rekindle the same feud that we've been having going on, um, where the Survivor Series comes back to the same way that it initially was with Warrior facing off um, against Perfect and Demolition with LOD and the Texas Tornado.
1: Yeah, and I think I think this is where. If you build SummerSlam properly, coming out of SummerSlam, you've got a house show run, a couple of Madison Square Garden, Boston Garden, Where perfects, trying to get that that revenge for losing his shot. You, you come out there, you have your, your little interlude match with, with Bravo and Quake and her little tag match, which sort of rounds out 12 months of storylines because it was Bravo and Quake that it, you know, Quake came in attacking Warrior when Warrior was feuding with Bravo. So... That allows that sort of storyline some resolution. As we said, it keeps Earthquake strong and in the picture and allows for some house show matches, which I think would have been good. And then you come back to perfect on television saying, I've only lost this one match and I I want my revenge and I'm coming for you and I'm going to pick the most dangerous tag team I can find to join me. I'm going to pick Demolition and and, you know, and then Warrior can pick, you know, LOD and, and Texas tornado and he can pick the guys that they do but the foundation of the match is still around perfect and warrior and and that that one loss that perfect has suffered and, and wanting his revenge and 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 then it doesn't look like the warrior has been demoted to the mid card it looks like they're bringing the others up to their level
0: Absolutely. and I think
1: that's what makes it
0: better. Absolutely, and, and I forgot to mention, on top of that, on, on the October 13th uh, Saturday Night's Main Event, we actually have a title switch in which the Texas Tornado loses to Mr. Perfect, so now we've got so much built into this um, Survivor Series match. We've got the world champion Ultimate Warrior with, um, you know, Texas Tornado who just lost the IC title, and we've got the the Legion of Doom, who are feuding you know, heavily with Demolition against uh, Mr. Perfect, who is trying to avenge his loss. On top of it, he is the, you know, the new IC champion. So there's so much meat and potatoes into that match now. Um, it ends up being a little bit more memorable, in my opinion. Um, but I think that we do the exact same thing that happened. Um, we still have Randy Savage come out and cut a promo saying, you know, Warrior is ducking me, Warrior is running away from me, there's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to hide, Warrior, I'm coming for you, and I'm coming for the WWF title. Because now, we've built up another guy, Randy Savage, throughout this entire year, and he's a guy that, you know, is legitimately ready to take the next step and become uh, the heavyweight champion one more time, and Warrior's in his way.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, and, and, and you're coming back to it really brings us back into where where history sort of was going anyway. But we've done it in a way, we've brought a, brought a picture where I think we've got Warrior looking a, a more dominant, a more, a more prestigious champion. And you know, Savage can, again, play up the fact, I'm the former champ and you've never beaten me, Warrior. And, you know... Where they failed, I'll succeed. I'm the Macho King, and you know all that sort of stuff. But you're looking at it, going, man, this is something I want to see. I want to see this match, as opposed to, as opposed to uh, Warriors. You know, he's, he's sitting in these tag matches. What's going on? I think, I think just a little bit of modification, and Warrior looks strong and looks ready to to have a good series of matches with Savage. And- Rather than looking at Savage trying to salvage what's left of this title reign for the warrior
0: and on top yeah, of that yeah. we still have the idea of the the main event match coming out of this where it's warrior versus DiBiase. i still think we can go with that because we're now transforming warrior from uh what he's been doing into new stuff and um oh man it really comes down i mean you're going to have some great great matches coming out of this thing um I, I, I like it a lot, and I like Warrior going in and beating DiBiase at that main event. I like Warrior continuing to build and getting on the house show circuit with uh, Savage, getting some wins, getting some losses by count out and DQ. Um, and, and then, of course, we go into uh, the Royal Rumble, and I think that we have things go exactly the same way that they did. I love yep. the idea of Sgt. Slaughter winning the title thanks to Randy Savage, And when it comes down to it, um, we have legitimized Warriors title reign. I don't know if it's the greatest title reign of all times, but I do know that it's a little bit more interesting, a little bit more entertaining, and and definitely a little bit more fulfilling in my eyes.
1: Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I, I think... I think Warrior, I think the interesting thing, if you look at, we're using guys that are going to make Warrior look good in the ring too. You've got guys who know how to bump, who know how to work a match, who are going to make Warrior look like a star in the ring, and you've got storylines around it that are going to make him look better, and so when he loses the title to to Slaughter, it's going to be a bigger shock, it's going to be a bigger, oh my goodness, what has happened here, I mean, You still build Slaughter up the way he was from Survivor Series and, you know, know, all the way, you know, the same build-up for Slaughter can happen, but when Warrior loses that belt and when Savage attacks him, that's going to have a bigger impact on the fans, I think, because they've accepted Warrior more as as the champion and, and maybe even been a little bit more invested in the accomplishments that he's done in the 12 months. He's beaten all these vast array of challenges, including the previously undefeated perfect.
0: Like you said, invested. When you go back and you watch that title match, you have to be invested in the Ultimate Warrior as your champion so that when his championship is taken from him, it's not lost. It's taken from him by uh, Sergeant Slaughter, by Randy Savage. You're upset. You're pissed. You're irate. You're so... Just angry with the fact that your champion was cheated in such a way that you want him to vanquish his enemies one more time and, and get back to the top of the mountain. Um, I think that's that's what the story is, um, and and I think that you and I tell that story and we make people invested in, in in the the champion, the warrior, and and what he can really mean to a company, and and really he puts the company on his back, and and I think it ends up being a great. Uh, a great title run.
1: Yeah, and and then and then it, it allows. I mean, I mean, as it was, Warrior Savage was a. That, I mean, that was a great match of Mania. But now you throw in, You're know, you just throwing in that extra extra emotion from the fans, and that'd take that one. Off. Can you imagine taking the Warrior Savage match up another notch because of the extra emotion of the investor? That would have been that would have been something. So yeah, it's just it, it really it really just creates. Um, the, the viewers, the fans, are just going to be so, getting so much more out of this storyline that I think we've managed to build than what
0: happened in reality. What, what would you rank as, as an emotional match? Something that makes your heart think and beat? And, and that's why we love pro wrestling, Dave. I think that's what it comes down to, is you and I both get emotionally attached to something um, that's going on, and that's where I feel like right now with the current product, I don't feel emotionally attached to anything. I have no stakes in it. Um, but you look at some of these emotional matches, even over the last couple of years, with you know Brian Danielson winning the world title at WrestleMania, at WrestleMania 30. You go to uh, CM Punk's uh, big title win in Chicago at Money in the Bank against uh, John Cena, and you go back to Rock versus Hogan. You know, and then you come back to WrestleMania Seven. Uh, you, you, I skipped one. I, I skipped the the Ric Flair versus Shawn Michaels retirement match. Those were emotionally, you know, driven matches. Where do you where do you put this Savage versus Warrior match? Um, if we add all this in, I mean, is there anything that could even come close?
1: Oh, gee, that's um. I mean, look, the I think. I think um, the other matches that we talked about had great emotion build-ups and emotional moments, but from a personal, and I know there are people who don't necessarily like the Warrior Savage match. I've listened to some some guys talk about how they're not as big into this match, but the emotion in that match that took the fans on a roller coaster that you know. You get great emotional moments. Daniel Bryan's victory at Mania last year was a great emotional moment. CM Punk's victory was a great, a great emotional moment. There was a lot of emotion in that. But the emotional roller coaster in that Savage Warrior match, I can't remember many matches that come close to the up and down nature because both guys were given that opportunity to nearly take the win and both guys were questioning what they could do and both guys fought to the bitter end and it, it really, it, it, it just, yeah, that, that Savage Warrior match for me is, it's, it's in a different, there's there's a lot of different emotions attached to it because you've also got the underlying factor of the, the multiple year storyline of Elizabeth and who Savage was in 86 and 87 and who he became in 88 and who he changed into in 89. That whole storyline to undercurrents the warrior savage match.
0: Yeah, I just, I look at it like, how can we create more of that? And, um, you know, it it's, it's gives me a little chill to think about what we could do with, um, you know, investing in somebody and really making them a, uh, a contender, a champion, a, uh, a puller of heartstrings, if you will. Um, and I think that's what we do here tonight with The Ultimate Warrior, and, um, you know, overall, I think we get some success out of it, and I'm interested to see what the listeners think. Um, You know, as we continue with the Low Blow Booking Podcast, we're growing all the time, and uh, Dave, you and I, you know, we re-upped. We're we're back in the the scheme of things here, and um, it is time to continue on with the Low Blow Booking Podcast, and this was kind of a prelude of, what you and I uh, would like to do, and, and before I get into that any final any final comments on, on what we 've done here and um, as we begin to move forward
1: no i think I think, I think what what like you said what we 're doing is is a bit of a prelude it 's allowing us to to look at a wider wider picture we've we've looked at some cards we've looked at you know changing little bits of background storyline stuff, but this has allowed us to really look at and I know You've looked at some stuff with other guys um, that have sort of had a bit of a broader picture, but I don't think anything's really created the underlying storyline that we've done here, and I think this is good to to look forward to. Some of the things we want to do is look at not just some individual matches with a tiny little bit of background, but maybe even some broader storyline, some broader broader events that occurred in wrestling and how it could have been a little bit different or how it could have been built on a little bit better afterwards and and it's yeah i think that's that's uh what we tried to to start with tonight
0: absolutely and uh you know what it's going to come down to dave you and i we talk about the ultimate warriors title run tonight but uh our next our next opportunity we're we're going to look at a year and we're going to say what does what does this year look like and how can we make this year for a company end up being better and you know one that jumps out to me is uh the uh, the year 1993 with WCW, um, that's something I would really like to get into um, and see what what could we do with that? Um, how could we make that a little bit better? Um, you know what what do you, what do you think about WCW 1993?
1: I think there's a lot in that because that's a game where uh, maybe people might start picking up some of my prejudices in my comments very shortly, but you had a really good start to that year, and then the Orange Goblin turned up and uh, and changed everything. Well, that was 94. And, oh, that was 94. That was yeah. 94. Sorry, 93, 93 was the Dangerous Alliance year.
0: Nope, nope. That was 92.
1: 92. It was the in-between. It was yeah,
0: that. That's <laughs> was the thing right it, there, Dave. You, you You can't even think of it because it wasn't. It was nothing. <laughs> that's what we're going to – you know, that's what I want to get to is how can we make – this year means something, yeah. You know, I mean, this is the year of Big Van Vader. That's and, right. And and Dick,
1: Dick Foley and 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 Amnesia in
0: Cleveland, exactly. And Rick Flair coming back and and I mean, so much is going on here. How do we, you know, Rick Rood's, you know, run in that time? I think that there's a lot to be said about 1993 WCW, and and I I would consider you a historian. You know, to, to, and, you know, not to make light of, of what you were saying, but, you know, the fact that we can't even think of it, you know, that's what I want to get to. And how can we make this, um, this roster, which at that time was really damn good, how can we make that even better? Um, you know, that would be a project that you and I would like to look at. Um, you and I have got a, a plethora of other things, and, you know, hopefully our timing's going to work out. I know with the summer, it's going to be a little bit easier for me. You know, look at um, you know the CM Punk storyline. I know that you and I have talked about Bret Hart not leaving the WWF. Um, we of course have our summits. Um, the big, uh, the next one coming up here um, is going to be pretty interesting, um, as uh, you know the NWA, WCW continues to try and and battle the conglomerate that is the WWF, and um, just you know really putting together a lot of things for the listeners and uh, continue to build our, our listenership and. Uh, Continue to build our our network. Um, I think that's one of the big things. That, you know what? We we have a Facebook page on here. Check us out the global Booking Podcast. A- everybody's welcome. Uh, you know, continue to check us out on Podbean and iTunes. Uh, let us know what you think. Let us know if there's some ideas that you have. And uh, you know, we're going to continue to to build off of you know what we love about professional wrestling, and and that is the booking sense. Um, and Dave, I guess you know now would be a great time to uh, talk about the. The end of the territory wars. Um, and you know, I know some people may have not, may not know about it. Uh, check it out bigelow34.proboards.com. Uh, you know, Justin Rosero and Scott Criscolo, uh, you know, uh, Justin and Scott's pay per view reviews, uh, Place to Be Nation, all that good stuff. They gave me an opportunity to run the territory wars for seven years. Um, and I know people talk a lot about e feds and things like that. And, you know, for us, it was writing complete shows with complete characters and uh, complete promotions. And for seven years, uh, I was able to keep this thing going. And, um, you know, I hit a big landmark when I did 300 consecutive Monday Night Raws. Uh, and it, it was just great to to be able to put all that together. Um, it, it's it's great, and we, we were able to, to put a fitting end to it with our Summit show. So please go check that out if you get a chance again. Bigelow34.proboards.com. Um it, it was a fun ride, and Dave, you were part of it for the better part of a year. Um, nearly two. Yeah, nearly two, yeah. And, you know, we we were able to, to really have a good, you know, trifecta between me, you, and um, a good friend of ours, Random One, who ran WCW, ran ECW, and I ran the WWF. Um, and, you know, now that that's ended, I'm looking forward to using that creative um, sense to put into what we're doing here with our podcast and and making it bigger and better every day.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I had a great time. I I wasn't involved in it as long, but um, when I got the opportunity to be involved with you guys at the Territory Rules, I've loved. I really enjoyed the opportunity to just do do storylines in a different way or build characters or make use of people in ways that I thought they could have been used in real life and, and that chance never got Never happened, and those who've read the territory rules will certainly know that one of my major storylines was 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 doing what I thought the WWE should have done with the, the the Nick Dinsmore Eugene character, and and what I thought should have happened with that character, I, I turned into one of my key storylines, and and that's the sort of thing that I enjoyed about that, and it's um, it's sad that we've that we've come to a conclusion, but it's I'm excited about using now the opportunity to to build into, into, into the low blow and, and into looking at these past ideas and, and, and playing with them and having a bit of fun with them. And that's what it's about. It's about having fun and, and reminiscing at times and, and thinking, what could have happened?
0: Yeah. I, and, of course, I've already had the itch because, honestly, this was the first Monday that I did not go to Bigelow34.proboards.com and post a show in seven years. Um, because I, it was, it was, you know, kind of, you know, heart wrenching at at some points. And then I thought about, you know, just how tired it was getting for me to be able to do everything that I'm doing in my life and and add that on top of it. And, um, of course I've already had the idea of, well, what if I, you know, maybe I just ran a small promotion or, you know, just something like that. And I wouldn't want to, you know, take away from that, but, uh, you know, it's a fitting end, and you know it's it's opened up a door for us to be able to do some of the things that we're gonna do here with the low blow and um, you know definitely use some of those things. And like we've talked about already, looking at some different ideas of how could we look at a year, how could we look at a title run? how could we look at an angle? how could we make it that much better? Um, I think that it's gonna end up being a you know a fun journey and uh, I ask everyone, please continue to share, continue to like, continue to repost and and put us out there and uh you know let people know what we're what we're getting ourselves into here uh, with the low blow booking podcast and uh it's going to be a fun ride here throughout the summer i'm looking for us to uh, get more shows out and and hopefully hit that number 50 mark uh in in a year from now and we'll see what happens you know it's it takes a lot of work to put everything together and um you know constant you know viewership is always going to help so um yeah I, i'm looking forward to it so uh, Dave, is there any big stories out there, or anything that you're really interested in in letting the fans know about what we're going to be doing?
1: Um, I, I just think I think we've touched on a couple of the key ones. I'm really looking forward to to looking at the um, at what could have happened if they had done the CM Punk storyline from 2011. If they'd done that a little bit better, coming out of the um, coming out of the Money in the Bank victory that he had, and and Keeping the belt on. There's some stuff that's happened with Brock Lesnar's reign that I thought they could have done with CM Punk back there. It'd be interesting to have a bit of fun with that. I'm really looking forward to that one. And one of my favourite ones, and you alluded to it before also, was what would have happened if Bret Hart hadn't left WWF in in you know, the, end of, the end of 97? The whole Montreal thing. That never happened. What, what would, have the, what would have the WWF landscape have been like If Bret Hart had hung around for another couple of years, I'm, I'm, I'm really keen to have a look at that that one. So, but I'm also keen to hear, I, I, I like, I'd love for, for our listeners to, to throw out a couple of ideas. If there's something that you've thought of, I mean, we, we're fans and we just think these are, these are storylines that I remember and I wish had been different. I know if anyone's like me, they're going to have their own ideas and I'd love to hear ideas from our listeners of things they'd like to, have considered, and they like to have discussed as, as part of this, as part of our, our podcast, because you know, that's, that's what it's about. It's about all of us, all, our, all the fans coming together and going, this is what I like. And this is what I think of, and this is what I wonder what would have
0: happened. Absolutely. And uh, you know, that kind of wraps up what our, our goal was here tonight. Again, we went through and looked at the ultimate warriors title run in 1990, kind of looked at some of the other things that would put it together and, And make it a little bit more memorable, a little bit more um, investable, if you will, uh, for individuals who are watching the product at that time. And, uh, you know, maybe making a little bit more of a legacy of a a man that, you know, already had a pretty good one going. So, um, Dave, it's been a pleasure working with you again tonight. Um, We gave the the listeners about 70 good minutes of fun stuff on, um, you know, we're looking forward to our feedback and looking forward to what we can do again uh, in the near future and uh, continuing to, uh, to build this product. So thank you very much for joining me, sir. You have a great rest of the day, ladies and gentlemen, you have a great rest of the night. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, enjoy, enjoy what will hopefully be summertime for us Americans and, uh, winter time for all the Australians.
1: Thanks, my Pleasure is always. Absolutely.
0: Have a great night. Thank you.